Welcome back to Travels with Alicia. This is the second St. Lucia episode. I'll cover all the great day trips that my family did while we were on this tropical island. I'll also share with you some of my favorite tips for group travel. So if you're in this situation, hopefully this will help in your planning as well. I'd like to start with a quick recap if you missed the first episode. My extended family, 21 of us and three generations, went to St. Lucia in July for a week of touring the beautiful island and spending time together. We rented two large villas in the Margo Bay area, which was very mountainous, and um, these villas were close together. So that's a little, little setting for our trip. Some of the highs were that we had absolutely gorgeous views. We loved the villas and the staff, and we loved the food and the rum punch. Some of the lows that we experienced were the driving. It was very mountainous, very treacherous roads, and easy to get flat tires. Um, One of the houses did not have air conditioning, so that's just a kind of a learning, and if you go to an island in the summer, make sure you have air conditioning. And then another issue for us was we didn't have walkability. When you're in a mountainous region, you really can't walk easily around or to coffee shops or things like that, which is something that a lot of us wanted to do. So that's a quick recap of the first episode. Now I'd like to share with you If you're planning a group trip, some of the best tips that I have for you, and you're not going to be surprised with number one, is communication. There is nothing more important than communicating to the group about the trip. In our case, since we were three generations, you know, one of the things was around price. And we were very lucky, as many people, when they go on a three-generation trip, sometimes the, the parents, grandparents will pick up a good part of that trip. And that happened with us. So a lot of the expense for this large family vacation was covered by the grandparents. And that was wonderful. But we really had to communicate what we were going to be doing and what cost was going to be, you know, paid by the rest of the people on the trip. And so getting that right is really, really important so that nobody has surprises or hard feelings. So number one is communication. Number two is making sure in a group trip you have enough space. So I mentioned we rented two villas. Actually, with the number of people, 21 people, we actually fit in one of those villas. We could have all crammed in. But we were there for a week, and I don't think that would have been a good strategy to have a really great family vacation because we would have had to put multiple people in rooms, and you wouldn't have had the the space or the the downtime that everyone needed. So with two villas, every single, you know, person pretty much got their own room, unless you were a couple, then each couple got their own private space. So I would say communication, number one, giving people enough space, number two. And then finally, my last tip for making sure that your group trip goes well is being inclusive. So if you're doing day trips, making sure everyone has an opportunity to join these trips, or even in the planning of the trip. Who who is this trip about? Is it family and is someone being excluded? You know, can you include people's boyfriends or girlfriends? Like, we were able to do that, and that made a huge difference for the 20-plus-year-old crowd that they were able to bring a plus one to this uh, family vacation. And so success is looking at making sure people feel inclusive and that they all have a good time and they're part of something. 
So I hope that helps and that when you're planning your family trip that you look to communication, giving people enough space, and being inclusive in all your trips. So why don't we go ahead and jump in to what were the great day trips that we did and what are some of the things you can do in St. Lucia. So I'm going to pick for our number one destination, the Diamond Falls Botanical Gardens and Mineral Pools. I'm surprised I picked this because honestly, we we did have three generations go on this trip. So not everyone chose to go on all the day trips. and But we did have both the 20-some-year-old crowd, the 50-year-old crowd, and then the 80-year-old crowd all went on this trip, and everyone loved it. It was about 45 minutes south of Margo Bay, about $7 a person to get in. The park's about six acres. So my mom had a, has a cane. She was able to do this easily. There's plenty of shade. There, there are places to sit down if you want. The most important thing is get a guide. They do not cost any money to get a guide, but you have to tip them. And I probably would have passed on the guide. I am so glad we had one. I have never seen most of the plants, flowers, and spices that were growing on this in this botanical garden. And it, they really, the guide made it fun. Like one of the plants you could touch and then it bowed to you and then it would stand up straight again. So it was, it was a lot of fun and knowing about the history of these plants made it more exciting. In the back of the botanical gardens is a waterfall. So again, this is called Diamond Falls Botanical Garden. And the Diamond Falls are gorgeous. They're very, very tall. They, the water comes from a sulfur spring, so the waterfall and the rocks behind it have been stained like oranges and yellows, and it's very picturesque. And it's you can't get in these falls, but they're great to take pictures in front of, and it was a, a really, really enjoyable day. I think we spent maybe an hour and a half there, and I think it was enough time, but it was, it was wonderful. On the way out, we ate at Marie's Local Cuisine. So that's the restaurant closest to the botanical gardens, and we loved it. It's a very—it's called Marie's Local Cuisine, but it is very, very local. Basically, you get fish or chicken, and, you know, it's $20 a person, and it comes with lots of sides, and they were very friendly. I've heard it used to be a buffet before COVID. Um, now it's more like just a plate with many sides that they bring to you. I'm not sure if it'll go back— at some point, but we really enjoyed it. They make interesting fruit waters. They said they did not have a bar or alcohol, and we were like, oh, we want rum punch. And um, the guy, or our driver that we that took us on that day trip was having lunch with us. He basically went to the side and talked to them, and next thing you know, we had rum punch. So I don't know where it came from, but um, it was a lot of fun, and they're very, very nice people. So that, would I would say, is our number one destination. Please go there. I'm going to cover another waterfall because we're on the topic of waterfalls um, with the Diamond Falls that we just talked about. This is called Toral Falls, and it's right next to the road. So if you're driving in this area, it, you can just stop off. It's $3 to get in, and it's maybe... 50 feet off the road. I mean, you can see it from the road. My parents were actually tired, so they didn't get out, but they easily could have done it. And you can get in this waterfall. So that's kind of exciting. There's actually about 15 waterfalls in St. Lucia. So if this is something you really enjoy, I would highly recommend St. Lucia. It's 70% rainforest. 
I'll mention two more waterfalls, one that I want to go to if I ever go back and one that I don't want to go to, but I'm going to mention it because there's a lot of adventurous people out there. So the one I'd like to go to is called Piton Falls. This is, they have soaking tubs that are very hot, like um, mineral type tubs that are man-made all around it. And it's a short hike so and with a very well-maintained trail. So I'm going to look that up and, and try to do that if I go again. So there's another waterfall that I want to call out. It's called On Bas Salt, E-N-B-A-S-S-A-U-T Falls. This is for the very adventurous. So there's all types of people out there. And if you want to, this is about one hour from Souffler to the trailhead of this to hike. It's only six to seven miles, but it's going to take you an hour of driving because it's treacherous. Once you get to the trailhead, you can, it's about a one and a half mile round trip hike, which is, seems doable, but they said it is very steep and um, you need to be careful. So I read some things about people who did this and they said it was the best experience they had on the whole island. So that's why I wanted to mention it. It's not something I would do or any I would recommend my family going to do, but I want you to know it's out there. And I would recommend if you do do it, find a local to go with you or have a guide because the people that were, you know, I would listen to about hearing about these falls were, were basically saying they didn't see anyone else for the hours that they were gone. So, um, if you are adventurous and do that, please have a guide with you. So why don't we get into something, to me, half the people, why do you go to an island to see the beaches? And so let's talk about the St. Lucia beaches. First, um, they're all public. You can go to any beach, but they're not easy to get to in the middle and south of the island. A lot of them you have to get through a resort. So I will talk about two beaches that we went to. So the first day trip we went out was T-K-A-Y-E, T-I space K-A-Y-E. And this is a four-star resort, and they have, you know, it's very rustic, and they have a restaurant and a beautiful pool way up high in the mountains, and then down below is a wonderful beach. And so our house manager called ahead. And we had a large group go, and we drove 30 minutes south. So this was probably the closest thing to Margot Bay that we went to. It was 30 minutes or less. We drove south. And once you get to the resort, you can either drive in and go up to the resort or down to the beach. And we had called ahead and said we wanted to go to the beach, so we went down. If I ever go back, I will definitely go to the resort. And then they have a vernacular that will actually take you down to the beach. We drove down and we made it down, but then we couldn't get back up when we left. So, of course, we did a running start trying to get up this very, very steep hill and probably only made it up about 80%. And then the car started to slide back down. And eventually my son and a local. We did get the car out, but I'm just trying to tell you, um, if you go to this place, it's 100% worth going. But this and any of the beaches that you go to, don't say you're going to the beach. Say you're going to the resort and have maybe get a reservation for lunch or something and then have the resort get you down to the beach because that's how mountain it is, how mountainous 
mountainous it is. Sorry about that. So this beach was wonderful. It had beach chairs. We did not pay for them, but I heard they're $15 a chair. I don't know if they thought we were from the resort or if it was just as we were coming out of COVID, they just weren't bothering with it. They also had kayaks that people could rent. And the beach restaurant there was really nice. It was casual. The food was good. The drinks were good. And it wasn't overpriced. So it's definitely a place I'd recommend. The next place I'm going to talk about is Sugar Beach. So Sugar Beach is, I would say, the absolute best beach in St. Lucia. It is all the way south. It took us about an hour below Margot Bay to get there. It's associated with the Viceroy Resort, which is a five-star resort. Um, the rooms go for 800 to 5000 a night. You do need a reservation. Um, I've heard a lot about people getting trying to get there because beaches are free, but it, it they do not make it easy. And maybe if you're backpackers, you can, you know, climb down and hike down a, a steep hill to it. But anyone else, absolutely not. Make sure you get a reservation. And again, you can go to the resort or you can go down to the beach. Um, believe it or not, there was a parking lot and the hotel did take us down to the beach. So we didn't have that same situation of getting our car stuck or anything. Um, it is the absolute most gorgeous beach between two large mountains. These are the Piton Mountains, which is the iconic symbol of St. Lucia. They are a UNESCO World Heritage Site. This is the beach in the resort that Matt Damon and his wife renewed their vows at before COVID. And they had friends helicoptering in. And I, I can see why they helicoptered in because it's very hard to drive to this place. So even if they were on the island somewhere, I'm sure they got helicoptered into this beach. Um, our house manager called ahead. So we were allowed in. But unfortunately, the day we went, they said they had no chairs available for us. When we got there, they actually did give us two. Uh, my brother-in-law had had knee surgery, and they were very kind to give us two. We were thinking they weren't so kind because the chairs were empty, but shortly after, every chair was full, and we actually were taking chairs away from paying guests, so we understood. Um, they have a trendy, really pretty beach club, and the food was good. It wasn't too expensive, um, but the bars there were very expensive. If you went and got a mixed drink or a cocktail, you're definitely $20 plus for a drink. But you know what? This place it was worth it. I recommend anyone, if you can afford to stay there, absolutely stay there. If not, take the day, go there. If, if you can get a reservation, the, the beach club restaurant is not that expensive. We took tons of pictures. It was beautiful and highly recommend it. There are some other five-star resorts on the island. One other one is Jade Mountain, you may have heard of. And that one is a little bit north of uh, Sugar Beach. And they're known for a very wonderful restaurant and also a spa. And then there's Cap Maison, which is in the north, and that's also a five-star. So again, St. Lucia is very well known as a honeymoon destination, and they have all prices, whether it's an all-inclusive in the north of the island or some of these five-star very high-end places. But it's worth going to these places for a beach day, even if you do have to pay for chairs or an expensive lunch. I highly recommend doing it. So what else is there to do? How about hiking? So one of the things that um, my daughter and her boyfriend did was go hiking in St. Lucia. They went to the Tet Paul Nature Trail. And this is a great place for people to hike. It is 
it's a basic level, so anyone can do it. At the entrance, you have to get a guide, and it's about $10 a person, so very reasonable. It's safe because you have a guide. You, you hike up about 25 to 30 minutes to the top and then back down. You get to see the Pitons. You can see Martinique, St. Vincent from there. You, The guide will point out all the exotic fruits and medicinal plants. There's a little house that talks about preserving cultural history on the island. They have an organic farm and an area where people can picnic. So I highly recommend this Tetpole Nature Trail. They loved it. Um, they went off by themselves this day and did it all by themselves. They used Google Maps. They had no problem finding it. And um, I would give it definitely two thumbs up for hiking. There's also many other hikes that are way into the rainforest, into the jungle. And um, you can look them up and find them. I don't know that there's always guides available. So, again, just bear caution when you're out hiking somewhere and make sure that you do have um, people knowing where you're going. So the last thing I think I'm going to mention um, is for hiking is Pigeon Island. We had a big group go out to Pigeon Island, and that's in the north of the island. It took over an hour to get there, and it's a 44-acre park. It, it's ranked as the number one thing to do on St. Lucia, and I think part of that is because that's where a lot of the people are vacationing, and it's very close to there. But the people that went did love it. it it's um, it's a national park. It has a historic Fort Rodney where it's a military ruins. They have two beaches and they have a few restaurants. And the group hiked to the top of Fort Rodney and Signal Peak and then back down. They said it was actually pretty difficult. My 10-year-old niece and my sister-in-law stayed back. They didn't actually do the hike. But it's a wonderful thing also to do. And um, I think there'll be a lot of people there because it is a national park. The last thing I want to mention is that they're known also for like sulfur springs and mud baths. So there, there is a geothermal field in Sofrir, and it's very, unfortunately, it can become very touristic. There's a lot of tours that go to this mud bath, and at first we were going to kind of avoid it, but my daughter actually did that. Her and her boyfriend that went to the Tetpal Nature Trail they were passing it, and it was about 30 minutes before it was closing. They went up, and it was empty. They went in. They paid $10 a person. Absolutely loved it. They said it was really, really fun. You know, we had heard how, you know, they drop busloads and busloads of people off, and it can be really overwhelming. So I think my big learning from this is if you're going to go to the Sulphur Springs, really go either right when they open or right at the end. Um they basically said there was no tourists. It was just uh, locals, and everyone was having a great time. And based on their experience, they would recommend it to everyone. They, they really enjoyed it. They just said, don't wear any nice bathing suits because everything gets ruined there. Thank you for joining me on the second episode of St. Lucia. I hope you've enjoyed these two episodes where I've been able to share my family trip and all the things that we did on this amazing island.